It's reporters assembled. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. <laughs> um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, you heard it. The sports reporters. They have indeed assembled. Well, two thirds well, of the sports the reporters. Sports reporter has assembled with the other sports reporters. So that's still yeah, plural. You can plural that. Yeah, yeah, go for it, man. Why not? Exactly. Exactly. What is a what is a handful? Of sports reporters. How many would you say is that? I think you need four. Okay. A couple is to me. A couple is two. Mm-hmm. A few is three, and a handful has to be four. I like this. This is a good system. We should use this universally. Yeah, I agree. And somehow I should get paid for it, but we'll we'll work on monetizing it later. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Bob, how's uh how's your your last week been since we last talked? Oh, been pretty good. Uh, working on some more stories, uh, including uh, uh some cool things, and which I'll keep coyly close to my vest for now but mm-hmm. uh, some, more, some more stories um i'm interviewing some some uh some prominent athletes for some short profiles and that's been fun i got to talk to got to talk to the big o this week ed ordron robertson oh who, do, who did you think the big o was ed ordron the head coach yeah. of lsu no no that's not the big o man well also you talking to Ed Ordron for twenty minutes would be an absolute delight. The, I can imagine it would Is be he the one with the growly voice. Yes, the the very Cajun voice. So I would listen to a, a podcast every day with just you and Ed Ordron yeah, talking. I'm not going to do a try a Cajun accent. No, 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 no. You do your New York accent mixed with his strong Cajun I, accent. I don't have a New York accent. You voice. absolutely do. It is a flat, affectless, mm-hmm. mid-Atlantic accent none of this is true what none of this is true bob all of my family and friends who hear you know immediately that you are from new york i have not once said forget about it mm-hmm. or, or or i am walking here or anything like that That's you have the undertones of that though it's it's always like in the in the the crawls it's of your the voice subtext, huh? mm-hmm. yeah. okay. the subtext okay. of your yeah that's i love that um but yeah okay i like it there you go. So uh, no. Oscar Robertson. How CLDR, is he doing? I am not talking to famed coach and Oregon Ducks football coach Ed O'Dron. Was he somewhere else before? Did he you was say Oregon? Oregon football coach? That's what I did. I was like, wait a second. I thought he was LSU. You he is LSU. Oregon. Oh, I think I heard you say Ogeron and just yeah, Orgeron. His name's Oregon. Ed Orgeron, not Ed Oregon. Yes. Yeah, because that would be weird if he was coaching LSU and the same. He Ed was Oregon. a Pac-12 coach briefly. He was the interim at USC. Um, he was the head coach at Ole Miss a long time ago. Um, okay. If you'd like some more LSU facts, I, I got you. <laughs> um, that's okay. Mm-hmm. Why don't we just get deep into the topics at hand, which is not, I assume, the coaching career of Ed Ogeron. No, it's actually Friday Night Lights in New York City. How does high school football work in New York City? I've always wondered that because um, it starts tonight very, here in Tennessee. Yeah, it's very rare. There aren't a lot of. There are a couple of te- of schools that have teams. Mm-hmm. The main problem, as far as I remember it, I think I looked into this at one point or I asked why there weren't more. Is the insurance costs mm-hmm. are just astronomical. One, there are a limited number of practice fields within the five boroughs, and those that do exist are further and further on the outskirts of New York City. Like, they do exist. Like, Poly Prep has a football team. They're actually pretty good, from what I've been told. Um, 
a couple of the snootier prep schools up in the Bronx in Riverdale have teams. Um, but like, it's hard enough to get enough space to have, you know, a baseball practice. A football practice is a whole other matter. So there aren't a lot. But I, I think I remember that the big stumbling block isn't just the lack of actual space to, to do to play football. It's that the insurance costs are just astronomical and make it hmm. impossible. That's interesting. I could be wrong. New York City prep school football fans and or beat guys, if I'm wrong, please feel free to sound off in the comments about how wrong I am about that. No, we did not. We, there were there were lacrosse teams. Uh, there were, so clearly there was enough insurance for that. Mm-hmm. Um, there were certainly like plenty of basketball teams. There was a high, I tried out for my high school baseball team and didn't make it, and that made me very sad mm. because I wasn't good enough. What position but, did you play? Uh, I was trying out for... I was like... I, I, I was trying to maximize my odds of making the team. Uh-huh. And so I just zeroed in on backup catcher. What? <laughs> that, that's how I can make this team. If I can mm-hmm. be a good enough defensive catcher, I can make this team. You were looking people. to be a utility man in your high school formative formative years. I wanted to... Look, I, that's I amazing. was not good enough to start. I recognized my limitations. So I thought to myself, how can I ensure that I will be good enough? Unfortunately, what I didn't calculate is that we had a guy who was really good at playing catcher and hitting. And so making sure the team had a backup was not a priority roster building wise. <laughs> you, so you, you had some issues with the, the team building approach. I principles to trying to make my high school by, baseball team. Were you and 37 it, when you were 16 years old, really? I was just a dork, man. It Same. Just, it just it didn't work. I didn't I didn't make I uh I, I didn't try out for the basketball team, although I did play pickup ball with a lot of the guys who were on it. Mm. I was on the high school wrestling team. I believe we just No, you were not. Yes I was. Yes I did. Amazing. I actually wrestled once mm-hmm. against uh the actor Mark Boerstein. Okay. Who you may recognize, he's uh, that guy actor. He's been on a number of USA Today procedurals. Um, USA to Today procedurals? USA Today like shows like Suits. I'm sure he's been on like Suits. And Is the that Boy. USA Today? What? what? I think USA Network. Okay. I was like, are newspapers now doing? Know. Okay, USA Network procedurals, yes. Yes. Uh, if you want to Google his IMDb page, I'm sure you'll find others. He, had, he was Mel Gibson's good friend in the show, uh, in the movie, What Women Want. Okay. He had a run on the West Wing towards the end. Mm. Um, Mark Furstein, he was a state champ mm-hmm. as a wrestler. He wrestled for Dalton, which is the big snooty New York City private school, or one of the big snooty. New what York borough? City. Dalton's in New York City, man, in Manhattan. Manhattan. Okay. Yeah. Uh, anyway, Mark Furstein, state champion wrestler. He and I were in the same. I actually made the team, but a guy who was also on the team was very good. Dropped weight. So I was, and so and beat me out for 141. So I was actually wrestling at 151 in high school, which was 10 pounds heavier than I was. So I was at a disadvantage. But I was starting and did make the team. In any case, that meant I had to go up against very large and very strong Mark Furstein. We wrestled at this match at Dalton, and I will remember it because he had broken his nose or something. So he came out wearing a goddamn Darth Vader mask or some shit. What? 
Yeah, it was just terrifying. He was wearing this contraption to avoid refracturing his nose while still competing on his way to the state title. He was a year ahead of me also. He was a senior that year. Um, and, like, the coach told me, he's like, you're going to lose. Like, don't worry about it. Just do your best. He's, like, a contender to win state. Fucker came out in this goddamn Darth Vader mask, man, and was doing the... And I was just terrified. I was scared. I think I lost in about 15 seconds. I wanted it <laughs> fast. I did not want to keep wrestling this guy who, who had at least three to four inches on me. <laughs> yes, if I remember it. And definitely like 10 pounds, all of which was muscle. And just like he put it, he just clubbed me in the back of the head and I went straight down. Lost straight out to what women want co-star Mark Feuerstein in New York City wrestling. Um, I did manage to That's win fucking bonkers, Bob. a couple of times. One time was at a big state tournament that was also held like way, 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 way out in Queens. Mm-hmm. Like a big like city. It wasn't a statewide. It was a citywide wrestling tournament. So that meant it's a Saturday. Everyone gets up at 6 a.m., you get on a goddamn yellow school bus. You haul ass out <laughs> of the middle of nowhere in Queens. Sounds awesome. Yeah, it's great. It's outstanding. There's really no better smell than a bunch of 16, <laughs> 17, and 18-year-olds very early on a Saturday in a cramped bus with mm. no ventilation of any kind. <laughs> in any case, you go out there. And because it's citywide, you know, it's a whole process to weigh everyone in and make sure they're not overweight for the match. So we go, we weigh in, and then you're going to wait like an hour or two before you actually have to do any wrestling. So we go in, and we find an IHOP to get breakfast. Mm. And we did. And, and I made the, I believe I ordered the, the French crepes with some kind of orange-ish sauce, which was a mistake, mm. which we'll get to in a second. In any case, I'm going out there. I, I have an idea of where this is going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... I'm wrestling in the, in the opening round match, and I'm doing honestly well, better mm. than I normally did, considering I only won two matches total in my entire career. And I'll leave out the second one. That's that's a special edition for subscribers only. Mm-hmm. But the this one, so we're going, and it's the, in, and like I'm in the third it's the third period, and I'm doing okay, and I can just feel those crepes sloshing around in my stomach. Oh God. And I get that. You know when they, when you you know you're going to throw up and those saline deposits. Was your coach not around for this when you were ordering with like was there no adult supervision on what y'all were ordering? Coach Kilmer. <laughs> First of all, Coach Kilmer looked and sounded exactly like 1989 Nick Nolte. Oh, okay. Except except he was He's getting five. a lot of plug and publicity yeah. on this podcast. Yeah, yeah. He looked he, he would be he used to be like, "Silverman, get over here." <laughs> like that just it was literally prince of tides era five to nick nolte is how i would describe my coach um but no he was not supervising our caloric intake when you had well i mean just caloric intake it's just that shit's not like bob i like on my right like there's just one of those things where like if i ate my blueberry pancakes right before i went and ran the tennessee track yeah that that shit's coming out yeah yeah that was a poor choice in Mm -hmm. any case so, so I would just imagine as your coach, you're like, hey, don't get that Silverman. Like, no, what are you doing? No, no, no. They don't pay him to, they don't pay him to do that. They don't mm. pay him enough to, to care about that. Mm. No, no. He was not keeping close tabs on how we ate at the IHOP. He was 
tired and wanted to make sure that these goddamn kids didn't kill each other. In any case, mm-hmm. I, it's just one of those moments you're like, I'm going to throw up in any second. I know it. What the hell do I do? It is mid-match. I had not been properly coached to deal with this contingency. No one said, here's what you do if you're going to barf mid-match. So I'm locked up with this guy, and I just say to him, like, dude, I don't know what else to tell you. I am going to hurl. Mm-hmm. And he, the guy goes like, what? And he throws his hands up in the air, and I quickly jump on him and pin him. No, you did not. Yes, I did. Do you yes, feel I good did. about that, Bob? Yeah, I feel fine about it. Uh, okay. it. Because it was not a plan. It was not a ruse. It was not a ploy. That sounds like a ruse. What do you mean? Textbook ruse. Because I just was going to tell him. So if I threw up on him, he could do something. Oh, and you were you're saying that to, to you were being genuine. Like, yes, that was a genuine thing. The referee quickly raised my hand. I ran to the bathroom and I puked my guts out. There was no like those were the sequence of events. The coach like pulls me after like after I get out of the John white as a sheet and sweating. He goes, Silton, what the hell happened there? What did you do? And I said, Coach, I told him I was gonna hurl. And he goes, Great. Do it. That's incredible. Which naturally leads yeah. us to Outkick's valuation. Yeah, it looks like it looks like there's some questions about uh, <laughs> about how much money. Well, Fox tell the listeners about it. Um, Clay Travis's site. I mean, it's a weird that. So, for those who don't know, Clay has been telling people in various forums, both on his now Rush Limbaugh time slot radio show. I think he said it in a couple of podcasts. How is that doing, by the way? I really of, of all the awful things that I that I that I mm-hmm. keep track of, I cannot add that to the roster. Sorry, yeah. man. I don't know. I understand. I, I really don't know. I don't. I don't. But um, it. Uh, so here's what we know: that Clay has claimed that the site had a valuation of hundreds of millions of dollars when it was acquired by Fox. Was that in 2020 or 2021? I, I've lost track. 2021, it had to be, right? I think so. It just feels like yeah. this year. I don't think that was a pandemic thing. No, I don't feel like it was. I feel like it was, I mean, it was short after Clay got involved in bringing back college football. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think it was. Many thanks. Yeah, it was post whenever Whitlock quit. So, some point in there. Uh, Yeah, 2021. And he claims the site has a valuation of hundreds of millions of dollars, which didn't seem to make sense. Even accounting for whatever numbers clay was getting on his own on his periscope broadcasts and and on the podcast version of his show and etc etc like it the site attracts at most according to publicly available information like i think one month it got eight or nine million but usually it's around five million monthly readers and that's just not a lot it's not a lot of reach i mean even with the gambling the possibility of funneling gamblers in it just felt like that was very high and someone published fox uh, fox uh, fox's annual report which suggested that they paid less than 10 million now mm. what i've heard from sources is that it did i mean and i cannot say that it's whether it's true or not i don't know what some smart people have said is like well maybe there's a chance that there is an incentive structure built into the acquisition deal 
wherein, yes, the initial payment would come in below $10 million when it's on Fox's books, but with an, if enough like hallmarks are met uh, and enough, uh, you know, whatever, whatever levels they have to achieve, like it pays out in, in increasing amounts where in some wild circumstances, yes, it might be valued at a, like 10 times what Clay has said, like at the, at the numbers Clay has said. So there's like a non-zero chance it's not actually technically false, but uh, it doesn't make it the thing that Clay said exactly the truth either. So in any case, I mean, Clay, Clay uh, I'll, I'll just say this. In my reporting on Clay, there are a number of instances where I found where the things he said do not adhere to observable objective facts i think would be the way i would phrase it that doesn't seem right yeah doesn't seem right in any case i don't know look maybe it's very possible that he does a good job of getting subscribers both now for fanduel now that fanduel is uh i think the official betting partner of outkick or whichever other books he had he was aligned with before he may be good at that in ways that you know, aren't going to be that aren't going to be trumpeted publicly. That may be true. Gamblers are, uh, you know, that's a those are those are hard people to convince to part with their money. I've been told. Did you really. watch his appearance at the school board in Franklin, Tennessee? I couldn't make my way through it. No, I, well, it's only like two minutes long. Yeah, I could not watch the whole thing. I watched it because I saw like it, that there was the the whole big thing breaking out in in Franklin. Um, people really creepy stuff where one guy. Uh, could be heard saying like we know who you are we know where you yeah, live and stuff like that for 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 either non-tennessee locals or people who, who don't keep up on sports yakkers and mm-hmm. their various political beeves uh it was a very contentious meeting held in the richest county in connecticut about mask mandates in the public schools mm-hmm. and by the end of it a unruly mob i think would be the best way to describe them mm-hmm. was shouting pretty direct threats at the healthcare professionals brought into the meeting and I think some of the board members also it just turned into a very 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 scary scene and one of the people who was at the meeting was uh, uh, Mr. Uh, Mr. SEC football himself Clay Travis it was not good it was it was also one of those where it's clear it's all theater and there was just I can't handle like I like a good fair amount if of irony. If someone who's worked in theater, this is bad freaking theater, man. I'm it's sorry. It's bad theater, but I'm saying that like he, I just I can't imagine. Like, a I couldn't live with myself. Like this stuff just makes my skin crawl. But like, um, to see it play out where it's like clearly all in bad faith, and to do it for for the views like this, you watch the whole thing and you're like, oh, like he turns and looks at the crowd multiple times, like he's some sort of um anti-hero like it it's really strange it's one of those weird things where he knows the camera's on him he knows that people people act very strangely when they know that they're they're being filmed and or recorded it changes how people function um sometimes but this is what i've told you bob like about tennessee in certain areas where i'm like this is not going anywhere like I'm telling, like when people t- like the whole seventy five percent, eighty percent, like we're starting to see more places require um, interstate travel. For, you need a yeah. vaccine 
uh, proof of a vaccine, things like that. I but still like, think, I still I, I don't think they're requiring that. I think there was a memo that okay. discussed at within the Biden administration, and they said no, that like people would flip their lid if that started to happen. Uh, they had to discuss it. I mean, right. it's one of those things where they there was a line in a story about them talking about it, and the next sentence is they rejected it out of hand as being polarizing or some, I forget the exact phrasing, but across conservative media, the headline is now Biden to consider international travel restrictions. Mm. Well, Which you is read technically the, true. The... He did consider it, but they've said no. And in any case, yes, go on. Did you read, like, there, the pieces in the New York Times about the kids, so, like, when they talk about it, it's, like, all about death, and it's, like, it's not even, the risk with kids is not the death aspect, it's the cognitive issues, like, there are so uh-huh. many. Uh-huh. Believe that's me, what we're overlooking, and that's what I wanted someone to say, like, Clay, we're not talking about it from that term, we're talking about it from, like, this kid in, this straight-A student, and I forgot where he was from, but they, the Times did a really good piece um, interviewing all these different kids who were the the long what do they call them the covid long the long covid sufferers long I COVID. yeah long and he literally just forgot stuff that he learned yesterday like or like the day before and he was arguing there are not to fear monger anymore i mean i'm i i read a lot of this regularly but mm. like they are they are already especially with people who are dealing with long-term symptoms they're already showing instances of cognitive decline we yep. have no idea what the impacts of this virus will be 10 years or 20 years down the line we don't know it's all quite terrifying but we don't know at this point which is one of many reasons to nip it in the bud as quickly as honking possible but yes yeah it's like the one thing we do know is already seeing that it very much gets affects cognitive functioning and affects the brain this is a known known and that's terrifying. Like, this kid's rising. He, he asked the question, which is heartbreaking, of just, like, am I ever going to be a good student again? Like, that's something he asked. It's just, that's real. Like, that's reality for some kids. It's not going to be the like, case for every kid. Like but these kids are not protected. In one study, there was people who experienced the equivalent of, like, a four-percentage IQ, which it's not a reliable test, but as, a, as like, but, it's, you know, it's often used, whatever. We're not going to get into the whole... <sighs> the value of IQ testing, but they observed something like a four-point drop in cognitive functioning, the equivalent of, like, 10 years' worth of aging in people who were, you know, not anywhere close to the age for early onset, like dementia or senility or any of that. And it's just all of it quite bad, extremely bad. Yeah. I, um, I don't and, like it. And if it's this question of, like, should kids wear masks? Yeah, wearing masks sucks. I went to... My significant other and I went to see a, a stand-up comedy show last night, mm. mainly for her because I usually don't like most stand-up comics, but this is one she likes very much, and so we went. Who and was it? Do you mind if I ask? It was Ali Wong. We went to see mm. Ali Wong. She's it was funny. Quite good. She is. She is funny. Like I could recognize that she's funny, and the jokes she's tell- she's telling are funny jokes. Without me personally enjoying the experience, this is just my kink. It's just me. I don't. Mm. Dig. I don't find stand-up comedy funny. It's okay. Uh, Wait, where was this? Comedy store? Where was it? Uh, no, or comedy no, seller, excuse me. Beacon Theater. Big, big mm. ass. Big ass venue. Okay. We so went. they're doing that again. They are. Everyone had to have proof of vaccination to get in. 
Um, and yet, I still wore my mask the whole time. Mm-hmm. That was just to hide the fact that you weren't laughing. Uh, you know, they, they turn the lights down, so mm-hmm. it's not like anyone could have seen, and they're all busy laughing. So I don't think the whole crowd would have turned on me and sort of canceled me for not thinking she's <laughs> funny. Uh, like I said, uh, objectively, I recognize that she tells funny jokes mm-hmm. and that the jokes are funny, but whatever. It was fine. Uh, uh, I learn more about you every week, Bob. He made a surprise appearance. We got mm-hmm. a uh, special surprise appearance by Hassan Minaj to warm up the crowd. That was delightful. Mm. Um, I don't like his stand In any case, most, uh, I would say... Uh, anecdotally just spitballing from my memory of walking in the crowds leaving 60 70% were still masked the entire time and good does it suck to go to an Ali Wong concert wearing a mask yes it's no fun it slightly inconvenienced me why the hell would I not take that extra precaution just on the thought that maybe, even though I've been vaccinated, maybe I have, like, I have, I actually did contract it, but I'm not displaying any symptoms. Then maybe I might pass it on to one other person who themselves is vaccinated. The odds of that happening are very, 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 very low. But in exchange for my minor inconvenience, like the thought that I might have gotten one, one person sick even if it was a, a one in a hundred thousand chance is enough for me to say, yeah, I'll wear this little bit of cloth in front of my face. That feels like an absolutely fair trade-off. The problem with this is that's not how 30 minimum 30% of the country feels. Oh, more. Yeah. More, more. So then it's like, what are we doing? Are we just going to spin our wheels for the next three years? I don't know. Uh, I don't know how to answer these questions. Yeah, there's a good. I haven't read it yet because I've been. I have a lot of other things to read, but there's a story in the Atlantic by Ed Young, who's done some of the best reporting on all this, which is partially about how all this ends. So, I'm hoping there's an answer there. Uh, I would recommend. I'd recommend anyone to read the things Ed Young has written in the Atlantic. He was also warning of a coming pandemic. I think in November 2019 talking about how the supply like the u.s stockhold of, of ppe would go dangerously low and like like people have been looking at this have said like yeah it's just a question of when that <laughs> that we were always at risk for this that it was always going to happen it was just a question of when and how but uh, yeah enough fun stuff i don't know man i don't know we we're, we're back here again we were here last week and this is again andrew's fault entirely i blame andrew it is andrew's fault here. People forget, but it is entirely Andrew Hammond's fault, too. No show yeah, back-to-back man. winks. Andrew Hammond, Drug Free Press, his fault. No, we're just kidding. We miss where, you, where is, What is he doing right now? Is he is he's going to a water park or something? I think he's Speaking traveling. Water I, think... parks, I don't know if you all caught this. Clay's tra- Clay Travis's website, now for two days, just to bring it back to our mans, mm-hmm. wrote a whole blog post which took literally a joke about Jason Kidd being obsessed with water parks seriously, and it hasn't been taken down or anything it's still up it's been two days we Dude, there were all these stories for, for those who missed it jason kidd was hired like is featured in Mirren fader's book about Giannis antetokounmpo because he was Giannis's first coach with the bucks 
and uh, or second coach, I believe, actually second coach for the Bucks. But he's all over the book. And um, all of them are just they just portray Jason Kidd as a red ass tyrant and just he, he sounds like a terrible terrible person to be put in touch with charge of a basketball team or at least that he was seven years ago so there are all these you know people are clipping bits of the book they're sharing photos they're getting passed around etc etc someone did a joke version of this talking about how jason kidd was obsessed with water parks to the point of drawing up his idea of a great water park during a timeout in a crucial game anyone who read this would recognize the joke they're making fun of this. It's clearly satire. Not Clay Travis's website for, for, for uh, uh, I'm not going to say what. Not Clay Travis's website, which for two days has had a blog. For you know what? Look, I'll even give him a pass for for not catching the joke the first time. It's like, eh, okay, you know, we've all fallen for a fake Schefter account with a ridiculous trade or something like that not me perfect batting a thousand you've never gotten fish hooked no i've never been fish hooked in my life whatsoever always been on top of it that feels like a lie to me that Mm. feels like you're lying to me now okay never never bob like one of the beautiful things uh about just my uh my personality is like i'm I'm always on guard i'm always ready i always like uh, just being a a long-term journalist bob and growing up wanting to be a journalist i always wanted to to validate and to to search for truth it's like you're just you're you're yanking my chain here man it's possible bob okay cool yeah um in any case i'll even give him a pass for falling for it for the first time Mm. but the thing was published a couple of days like 36 hours ago and uh their their incredibly rigorous editorial standards have not caught the mistake yet and mm. it's just possibly because no one reads outkick as i mentioned but, it's uh, possible uh last thing and we'll wrap up here bob yeah man what is it you're gonna love it major league baseball and barstool sports potentially partnering together no no man you're too late we already got a there's already a story from sportico about how the odds are the conversations were very preliminary and don't appear to be headed anywhere. Did you watch Field of Dreams last night? The, the uh, Sox I was fans? at a comedy show last night, man. I told you this. Well, no, I'm saying you could do like what I do. I, I go out. I do things. I have a girlfriend. I, I go and be a normal person. But you know what I do? Hit this little button called the, the old DVR, Bob. And then I oh. tune in around the clock. So I'm watching Braves games at odd hours. It drives people in my life crazy because I'm like, I don't want to know. Because they're like, what do you mean? It's happening right now. And I'm like, no, no, it's DVR. I'm watching it later. I'm watching it on my uh, time, folks. I, I saw the highlights of the Tim Anderson dinger when I got home. Oh, my God. The the video of him, the slow-mo of him yeah, 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 rounding yeah. third. Yeah. Incredible. And the fireworks going off in the distance. Yeah, that was very cool. It was delightful. What a game. There's, I enjoyed it. There's been a lot of talk on the old Twitter timeline about what the best baseball movie is. Mm. And everyone is wrong. It's actually, it's just everyone wants, everybody wants some. Oh, that's not a bad one. I, I love that movie. It's that. That's Linklider, right? Yeah. It's that or the Bad News Bears. Those are the two best baseball movies. I don't, I haven't seen the Bad News Bears in a long, long time. The original I, Bad News Bears is an excellent grimy ass 70s movie with with it's it's just it's really good mm. it's 
good. It remains a quite a good movie, but it's still everybody wants some. Bob, your pick of the week. Hmm. 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 I'm thinking, man. I don't got to pick a week. You know this is coming up. This is a question every week, and you're always yeah, like, I know, "Oh no!" I know, I know. But but I make I, I diligently make sure never to prepare for this. Show. I know. It, like I'm looking at the outline right now, and I can see if someone else is looking at the doc. Bob no, Silverman, not looking at the doc. Been, I've never looked at the doc. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh gosh, pick of the week. Uh, uh, that, that's that sound that keeps coming out of me. That just mm-hmm. uh, no, I got nothing. I got nothing this week, man. Nothing. Okay, nothing. I got one. I am reading. I'm halfway through Drew McGarry's The Hike that came out a couple of years cool. ago. Cool. How it's really it? good. Nice. Have you read it? No. No, I haven't. But there, there is a brief mention of me in his in his upcoming book. So Ooh. that's a brief for fans. Okay, that's a that's not a fiction. That's like the nonfiction on when he that's a, when he it's had a his... nonfiction about his about his brain going kaboom. Yeah. I make a brief appearance. Ooh, okay. So you know Drew? Uh, no, like I've met him a couple of times at various events, one of which was the brain exploding event. Wait, you were there that night? I was there that night. That's why I'm in the book. I didn't know you were there that night. I was there that night. I won't give away any details so people will buy the book, but I was there that night. Absolutely. Holy That's shit. That's why I'm in the book. Oh my God. I didn't. Wow. Incredible. Um, Bob Silverman, we can follow you on Twitter at Bob Sayeda. Yep. Read your work in the Daily Beast if you have not read your if you have not read Bob's piece on Tim Pool and YouTube, go check that out. Just Daily Beast, Please, Bob Silverman. It's a, it's a good blog. Mm-hmm. So. It's not a blog. That is just it's a short love, story. Is what it is. Everything, everything's a blog, man. Everything mm. is a blog. Now. Everything's War a blog. Peace, that's a long blog. <laughs> Bob Silverman, thank you so much. I will talk to you next week. All right, the Atlanta sports guys are here because it is Friday afternoon and it is time for the local hour local hour here on the Chase Thomas podcast where I'm joined freshly back from overseas in Italy. It's Garrett Chapman of 929 The Game. Garrett, good afternoon, sir. How are you? Oh, fantastic, man. Just a little bit sunburned still from last week. Yeah, that's part of being fair-skinned and having red hair. <laughs> it's part of the deal. We don't, we don't like the sun too much, you know? Mm-hmm. It's not I your friend. I that, but I'm about to go to the pool. <laughs> Why are so, you going to the pool when you're sunburned? I don't know. I hate myself. <laughs> I got to get prepared for the Falcons game tonight. What does that have to do with the Falcons game? What is happening? What is yeah, this line of thinking? Beer, I've got to have a beer or two and enjoy myself, you know? I got to get all ready to go. If you say so. Um, just completely <laughs> thrown off here now. Uh, also here, Max Markovich. Max, good afternoon, sir. How are you? Uh, I'm doing great. Garrett really needs a few beers to warm up and get really excited to watch Willie Beavers tonight at right tackle. <laughs> are y'all going to watch the whole game? Like, is that like on the itinerary? Uh, maybe. Hmm. Yeah, I'll be. I'll be at the game. I'll be in attendance. Oh, you're going. You're. you're go- oh, did yeah. you pay? Did you pay? I didn't for him. I didn't pay for him. Okay. Oh no no no. No, I, I had somebody. My dad actually like had somebody that you just wanted to get rid of the tickets. I think it was his, his friends, the season ticket holders, so they get the tickets. So, you know what's weird? I mean, they're offered. I'm gonna say yes. I've definitely been to a Falcons Titans preseason game. 
with one of my best friends growing up. Like I'm, I have a strong rec- uh, recollection of that. I would say it was it was a long time ago though. Preseason game. Um, it's okay. It's fine. Um, we're gonna talk first Hawks summer league because I think we're gonna differ on uh, what to make of the Hawks summer league thus far. Ooh. Garrett was not here last week. But he is back, and he's like Garrett. We haven't even talked about John Collins resigning since you've been gone. Mm-hmm. Um, just Lou Williams is back, who also might be in the pod this fall. Um, it it's a lot. Like this Hawks roster is going to be great. Like I saw the over unders got adjusted today. Did y'all see that? Yes. Hawks forty seven and a half. I'd probably pound Hammer that over. over right now. That seems like mm-hmm. a lock to hit the over there for next year. But. Um, it's interesting because I see a lot of people getting really excited about Sharif Cooper and getting really excited about Jalen Johnson. I'm a lot more in on Jalen. We'll get into that. But um, Garrett, because you've been away, what did you make of the John Collins contract, the re-signings thus far, where we're at with this roster, and uh, the lottery picks and first-round picks as a whole? Yeah, so I, I think, honestly, the biggest thing that you take away from this John Collins signing is that the, the Hawks and Schlenk and everybody involved in the situation, I think they're, they're prepared to run it back because they see something is working with this team, and they firmly believe that, if, hey, if you're healthy, this team can do something special. Because, I mean, I firmly believe, I, I think I've said it on this podcast, that if Trey Young was healthy, if we had one other person that was still healthy, like he, Bogey was kind of hobbled, um, and obviously DeAndre Hunter. I mean, we had so many injuries, so many concerns with that. If we had Trey Young and one of those other guys at full strength, the Atlanta Hawks very well could have been playing for the NBA Finals. Uh, and that's not a fluke. I mean, th- like this team is a very good team, and we saw that last year. And so you see that Travis Schlink truly believes in the cohesion of this team, and that's really what he's buying into. I think the contract is fine. Uh, it, I don't think it paid out as much as I was worried they would. Um uh, but ultimately, I think it's good for the team because, I mean, he is the uh, – what, what was the phrase he used when he wrote his, his Players' Tribune? He was like the uh, the vibe master or the vibe captain. What was it that he said? Do you guys remember? Oh, gosh. Uh, you know what I'm yeah, talking about, though. Chief, chief vibes officer, maybe? Yeah, ch- chief, chief executive vibe officer or something like that. But that, I, I think that's there's something to that. And, and the locker room presence that he brings is – I think it's probably the most important part of his game. And I think it's it, keeping this locker room intact and running it back and seeing what we have. I think it's great. And plus, it's not an untradeable contract either. So I, I think we're we're not exactly hamstrung by the deal. Uh, I, I think all in all, it's good for the team. Uh, but then, as as far as Shreve Cooper and all these other guys, these draft picks, I, I'm I'm tempering my expectations. Yes, I'm excited about them. I, yes, I think they were both steals, just because I watched these guys play a little bit. And uh, I mean, yeah, they're they're good players. Uh, but we'll see how they fit into the actual lineup because you have to think like, a lot of these guys, they're playing with Skylar Mays right now. Skylar Mays was a starter. Skylar Mays played maybe five minutes a game last year, if that, and we probably rolled our eyes every time he entered the game. So slow your roll a little bit, you know? Uh, they're not exactly playing against the, the elite talents of the NBA, but still, it's I mean, they're just not playing against NBA players at all. Like, that's the thing. Hey, it's like, they're not even playing against NBA players at all. Like, Summer League, Josh Selby was MVP at one point. Like, there's, like, just, just calm it. Like, it was cool to have Cooper hit the the game winning three and stuff like that, but it means yeah. like it's just. I mean, it, it, you feel yeah. good about it. I mean, but they're still second round picks. I mean, this is the same league that we got excited that got us excited about Bruno Fernando. So well, I didn't I, get excited about Bruno Fernando. I don't know what you're. <laughs> maybe you got excited about Bruno Fernando. Ah, when you hear his name enough, then eventually you're going to be like, all right, he's got a chance. You never know. But 
I mean, no, say I mean, so. Sharif Cooper, Sharif Cooper was, uh, he's had a great preseason and that's enough to get excited about it, but still I'm going to temper my expectations. He hit some big shots. I mean, he, he hit the game tying shot with 20 seconds. Uh, I, I don't care what level of basketball you're in. That's still a big shot. So and it takes some ice in your veins, especially when you're playing your first couple uh, preseason NBA games in front of the, not, not exactly under the big lights per se, but it's still, you know, people are judging and evaluating you constantly. And that's a big shot. So it's it's enough to get excited about, but I'm not going to go over the top. Max, what do you think? Uh, first of all, I, I was a believer in Bruno Fernando. Uh, Were you? Back to his Maryland days. Yeah. yeah. I, I was too. I, really, I was too. Right? I really liked him. Um, so that was a miss. I, I, basically, where I've come to on this this whole offseason is Travis Schlenk is just kind of flexing. Like, really good GMs. <laughs> re, re, no, honestly, really no, good true, GMs right. build teams kind of in these layers, right? Where you you get the star and and luckily that was kind of step one um and maybe they got the wrong star but not by much whatever they got the star he hits on every draft pick essentially like every 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 draft pick that he could have realistically hit on he's basically hit on um you build that depth you add free agents layered in where you can veterans to start winning and then you retain your assets with the patience of eventually building like from from a really good team to like a great team and schlenk is like like you know we can talk about summer league and like break down their individual performances and whatever but like we're not gonna do that actually of, i'm gonna go ahead and, we're, put we're a not, on that. And, and you're right about like the quality of opponent and like not really you know caring all that much about like the performances but to get the quality of talent you get at 20 and then also to get the qual just you know the swing at talent at 48 right like you know the odds of pick 48 in the nba draft panning out are less than five percent right but you're taking the swing at a guy who's clearly got talent and and like what better environment to put him in than to like in his hometown to surround him with trey young who's kind of overcome some of the same questions his whole life as sharif cooper um in a, in a role he like he doesn't have to play a role this year obviously he won't probably play a role this year but to just grow from that and to get that quality of talent like Travis Schlenk has earned the entire benefit of the doubt on draft picks period from my point of view um and he's just building the heck out of this roster depth wise and so it's like you know I, you mentioned the over under like I I'm not gonna say they're the best team in the east or you know obviously the best team in the league I think there's a very realistic chance the Hawks are the one seed next year and I don't think that's like i don't think people actually realize how good top to bottom this roster is going to be and it's a team that's really built to win in the regular season um i think it'll become obvious once they have to play a team like brooklyn or a team like milwaukee at full strength or whatever that maybe that's when it becomes obvious to schlank and co like like they need the next star and that's the next step here but like this is a team that's built to like be an absolute juggernaut in the regular season and I, i don't think we're actually like overstating it to say they could be the one seed next year uh, you know, actually when you put it that way no i i actually see exactly what you're saying because you, you, I, I see a lot with the brooklyn nets i mean brooklyn nets have to be the favorite in the eastern conference i mean beyond a shadow yes. of a doubt yes absolutely um but the thing is what you see with a lot of teams like that is they're going to be slowing down and, and giving their guys rest because they're not playing for the regular season they're playing for an nba finals uh this hawks team is still young i know it's i know it's a long way away and uh that kind of thing is so far from our minds right now. But at the same time, it's like, I mean, this Hawks team is still young. They're still progressing. They're still growing. We have different expectations. I don't think the Hawks 
obviously they're going to have the goal to win a title next year. I don't think that's necessarily realistic per se, but I don't know. The way they played this year, you never know. And it's like, okay, so so Milwaukee was the three seed this year, right? Like, what incentive does Milwaukee have to go gun for the one seed next year? Like, none. Exactly. And, and certainly, like, Brooklyn is absolutely the favorite uh, to win the title. Like, I think beyond a shadow of a doubt, but it's not like, you know, they're, they're a pretty combustible team given, like, they're, they have three They showed it last year. They showed how la- oh, yeah, last exactly. year how like, combustible like, they are. If they're healthy, like, they should win the title. But the first part of that sentence is, is like, a pretty huge caveat. And so they also don't really have an incentive to, to gun for the one seed because, like, their entire goal is getting those three guys healthy, like, in shape to win a title in the playoffs. And, like, the Hawks are, are young enough and deep enough and, like, kind of just, like, don't give a shit and want to win every <laughs> single game and are and are still kind of in this honeymoon phase of like damn we're actually really good now um and, and i'm i'm you know i'm ready for for the the first week of the season to start right now but um i, I think this team's gonna be really really good yeah they're just too deep not to be good and there's just too much now veteran talent surrounding these guys i mean i'm a little concerned about Nyak and Kongu's injury, and we'll see what happens with Bogey's knee and how he'll be. And DeAndre Hunter, I think it's still a big question mark. I'm still extremely concerned about his knee going forward. Um, but that's part of why Jalen Johnson, I think, has more upside for this group because um, he's a 3-4. He is doing a lot of the stuff that... He's also coming in at a younger age than um, DeAndre Hunter did. And if DeAndre Hunter uh, just cannot get right physically then you have Jalen Johnson right there to step in too but something I'm concerned about for sure um is like the thing with Sharif Cooper and the like you said that was funny it was just that like he has a lot of tray in him there's all that kind of stuff their their rise their situation here's the thing about Sharif Cooper he is never going to play a meaningful minute for the Atlanta Hawks and this is something if you look across the league you look at every NBA team there's no path to Sharif Cooper getting on the court. There's no pet. Like, it doesn't work like that in basketball where you just develop all these guys and then your first round picks or just late first round picks then develop and become like the long term backup behind your star guard. That it, it, nowhere. Find me an NBA team that has this. Find me one NBA team where they develop a superstar backcourt and they also draft and develop guys to be the long-term backups no if he gets any playing time and he's okay he's going to sign a bigger deal somewhere else because you don't pay that kind of premium on a backup who's playing 12 to 15 minutes a night like Shrew Cooper is not in the Hawks long-term plans if he plays well even in like eight two years from now a year and a half from now he is gone and he's getting paid by somebody else somewhere else like that's just how this works Jalen Johnson though has a path to being a 3-4 guard when DeAndre or Gallinari or Cam or whoever it is on the wing is not is, is not 100% healthy, he's going to get a shot. And Jalen, to me, looks like somebody who could have been in the first top five of this draft. Like, based on what I've seen, like, the stuff that he does, his size, his basketball IQ, like, somebody I saw compared him to Grant Hill, and you're like, oh, interesting, mm-hmm. okay. Um, that, I can see it. And it should come as no surprise that Grant Hill is also involved with the Hawks. So that might have been part of it there, too. If he saw some of him at Duke and there's all those connections. But, like, Jalen can be someone who could be a part of this long-term core. Cooper cannot because that's just not how backup guards work. He is a non-factor. He doesn't matter. It People get upset. Like, it's not going to be 10 years of Trey and then 8 years of Cooper just backing up his guy. <laughs> it, like, that is not how professional basketball works at all. 
I mean, never's a long time, Chase. I mean, like that's that's a long time. <laughs> so, uh, no, but going to Jalen Johnson, I mean, honestly, one thing that Kevin Chenard, who writes for Hawks.com, he tweeted about this just yesterday. Uh, one of the things Jalen Johnson that gets you excited is the fact that he gets a pass, hits the extra pass for a wide open look, and then on the next possession, he puts his 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 arm through the hoop, mm-hmm. basically. I mean, the guy has incredible athleticism, like you said. He's got and he's got uh, uh, that basketball IQ that makes him a high end player. I'm excited for Jalen Johnson, but I mean, Shreve Cooper to say never is kind of harsh. It's a little harsh. It's not I mean, harsh. He can be it for somebody else. Like if he but plays well, know. he's gone. I mean, you could say the same thing about Draymond Green, right? He was a, he was a second round pick. I don't think the are the you Warriors starting Cooper and Trey Young be. ever? Like, are you ever playing those guys meaningful minutes next to each other? Well, no, probably not. I'm, that's the thing. I'm, I mean, I'm not. I'm not saying that he's going but, to be a part. But yeah, I'm just saying, I, I you think never know. If he's not a core a piece, no, you can't do it. No, guy that Trey can be. I don't know. You don't develop a third 40, guard and then just pay him after 40, his rookie deals up. But if the 48th pick in the draft even reaches a point where you're debating whether or not to pay him, you have hit that pick so far out of mark. That's like <laughs> there's almost no precedent. Like you know, that's like Isaiah Thomas or like. Like, I don't know. Like, it's exactly it's, it's what almost not e- It's exactly yeah. what it is. Worth, it's not even worth discussing, and so I kind of want to talk a little bit about more about Jalen Johnson because I think um, the conspiracy theorist in me like, kind of sees Jalen Johnson as a um, a pseudo-John Collins replacement down the line. Ooh, as okay. Like a, as not like a DeAndre a Hunter replacement. I, I, think, I think the way the way the ideal version of Jalen Johnson fits with this team is a better fit than the way the current John Collins fits with this team. Um, and so if, if Jalen Johnson, like I, I think Jalen Johnson's one thing I, I, I will say about his summer league performance is his passing is really good. Mm-hmm. Like much better than I, I, I realized given that I didn't watch him much at Duke. Well, he also left early season, at Duke, so which we is didn't a whole different thing, it. but right. Um, but the way he passes, like he just does a little bit of everything, and it, he does it. He does most of it at a really high level. And if he's a really good passer who can sort of function within the flow of an offense, like that's a that adds more than what John Collins does right now. I'll kind of leave it at that. And I love John Collins, but you know, I think there's a world in which Jalen Johnson develops into like a really good starter, and that makes John Collins expendable at his deal that we've already talked about uh, is is eminently tradable. Um, and so it just adds to sort of the immense amount of flexibility that the Hawks have going forward. Well, also one question I want to ask you guys is that at what point did this does this Hawks team become too deep? Does that make sense? So it's like at, at what point do you yeah. start taking minutes away from other meaningful players? You stunt development, and then you don't get that star player that could potentially. Well, we're already happen. there because I mean, Cam I'm worried about with Cam Reddish. Yeah, Cam's already I, running into that wall. I think, I, I think you know, I think we kind of come at this from different perspectives because chase would say right now and i on paper i agree but i'll just go back to kind of what we said last year Mm. about um you know signing bogey and gallo and where does that leave all the young wings and where you know and then okay hunter gets hurt like you know there was a question of like well kevin herter like is he going to be buried right okay uh reddish got hurt um hunter got hurt um and all of a sudden, Kevin Herter is like the second most important player on the team. And so I think, especially in the NBA, like I, the answer is probably at the end of the next year because of just contract situations and who who gets paid and who doesn't. Um, but for the next year, like given the way injuries work and just how NBA rosters tend to work out, guys taking nights off, like all of that stuff, you're gonna everyone's gonna get their opportunity. Um, and especially because the rookies aren't. <laughs> 
you're not going to count the rookies this year for much of anything. Um, and the Kong was now hurt, and so it's like just sort of the the way attrition works. Like long term, is it feasible? No. Short term, I I think they're fine for now. I think it's a better situation to have too much than too little. Like this is one of those where it's a oh, good it's problem, a to problem to have. To have. Like yeah. I am okay with this because none of these contracts are albatrosses yet. Um, I think Collins' value is not going to torpedo anytime soon. Capella, we'll see. I think that's probably something to to monitor. Um, but you have Anyaka and Kongwu sitting there, so that's okay. Um, Trey, obviously, it's going to be fine. Bogey, um, I guess the biggest one that we're going to have to watch is Hunter. Like Hunter is the the one right here that just so much is riding on his knee next year, and I. I hope for the best there, but we'll we'll have to see um, with the depth stuff. Then I don't know. We we shall see. Um, any final points on the Hawks where we move to some Falcons? One seed. <laughs> it's still early. We have to get into our, that all comes our Hawks projection. I think that all, that all comes down to Cam Reddish and, or the development of that other that third player, fourth player. But yeah. if Cam Reddish has the year that we all expect he can, and he can actually be consistent, I, honestly, I completely agree with you. One seed is not out of the question. He just has to play, but they have to let him play, and they have to let him develop. Well, he's just got to be consistent, that's all. Well, part of consistency is being able to play. Like, he has to play with the starters. Like, he has to play with Trey, Bogey, or Hunter, and Collins, and, C- and Capella. Like, he has to get those minutes. I think, I, I, I really think Cam Reddish's future with the Hawks depends on DeAndre Hunter's health in sort of a inverse way like i i think if deandre hunter is healthy and follows the trajectory we saw last season cam reddish will be shipped off for uh pieces for for parts one of them i I feel like one of them will be one how dare you two garrett (laughs) you're back up to number one oh what did i shift back down you were dead you missed last week you went to italy i don't know if you (laughs) knew this or not but you you skipped the pod last week worth it (laughs) and i'd do it again that was not necessary. You didn't need to add that second part. That, just really twisting the knife here. Um, I I don't even know what to say after that. Um, but we'll see. I'm excited. We'll we'll see. Um, the Falcons. Max is ready, locked and loaded to unleash some fiery takes on the first preseason depth chart for our Atlanta Falcons. Max, the floor is yours. Uh, my first take is that this roster is bad. Um, <laughs> that's that's just my first thing no seriously um i think everyone needs to cool it a little bit with the like depth chart psychoanalysis like first of all anything to do with any rookie should be immediately discarded like kyle pitts is going to start um where richie grant is on the depth chart should not be relevant right now it's all of it is just sort of to send a message and i don't care for one second about any of that I do think what it what what it made me think about is that is just how much like this current new administration is not wedded to you know you could say mistakes of of administrations past. So we we could see guys who like the who you know Arthur Smith really likes um, play over guys who maybe you know the previous regime invested draft capital in like you know let's say isaiah oliver or like so like kendall sheffield to me is a really good example of of a guy who whose name i saw third on the on the cornerback depth chart like third behind terrell so like six fifth or sixth in, in total um that really raised an eyebrow because it's like okay 
that tells me that this, that this staff actually likes Chris Williamson right now more than Kendall Sheffield. And to me, that actually like says something. Like they're not they're not married to making the Kendall Sheffield thing work. Um, and they like Fabian Moreau more right now more than Isaiah Oliver. And like to me, those are are more interesting than like, oh, Kyle Pitts is behind Hayden Hurst, the tight end. It's like no, like or Willie Beavers at right tackle. Like Caleb McGarry is going to start at right tackle if he's healthy and ready. Like that's pe- people should stop with that. Um, but you know, all of it should be taken with a grain of salt because it's the first depth chart of the entire year. Right? ahead of the first preseason game that very well might be meaningless. But it did make me think that, like, okay, this new regime is not going to just play guys because the previous regime invested, like, a second-round pick in them. Like, the days of that are, are done. No, honestly, I think you're exactly right with it. I mean, it's just I, – I, I don't know what to I really get from all of this. I mean, this is all – I don't even know why they made this public, really. I mean, because it, it doesn't matter. It doesn't affect anything, truthfully. Because you're looking through here, I'm looking at all these these rookies, and I don't think I, I think Kyle Pitts, uh, first glance, just right now that I'm looking at it, I think Kyle Pitts is the only person who's not last in his order, pretty much. And so I, I don't know. It's not like they're going to cut every single one of the rookies they just drafted. I mean, it, come on. I mean, this is and obviously it's going to change completely from this week to next week, and then to the week after that. Um, so it's just it, it's like a preseason ranking in college football. It, it sure, yeah, it's fun to look at talk about but for the most part dude, does it really matter no not really it's just a little bit of bragging rights over somebody else or say oh yeah well this guy might be better than this guy i mean we have no idea because i mean we haven't seen these guys fully again full on action i think tonight is going to be the first day that they really are taking people to the ground and like look I, you don't know who has that extra gear as a running back who's who's going to keep their keep their feet when they hit that get that like major hit uh, what, what's that offensive lineman going to do when he's not able to, to to reach over and grab in the same way that he is in, in potentially in practices? You don't know. I mean, you, when you have somebody else in a different color jersey line up uh, on the opposite side of you, a different guy comes out. So I'm excited to see that today. And you don't get that from practices. You don't get that from training camp. Uh, I mean, you have these guys who are still trying to acclimate to the NFL. Today is the day that they can start to do that because today is the first day that they're playing real football. And yeah, I mean, I'm excited for it. I mean, it's, it's preseason football. This is this is it. Um, so I'm not really going to take any credence from anything that's happened already. But I think, like you said, the the rookie part of it I think is important to note. Like the rookie stuff seems like that's just where they're starting. Like they're starting at the back end. But the veterans who have slid, that's something to note. Like Kendall Sheffield being where he is is of note. Dante Fowler not being a starter is of well, note. Dante Fowler only just now practice for like a it was even practice yeah that's that's the pup thing i think is it just a pup thing okay um isaiah oliver not beating out fabian murrow like that is something to note um yes i agree with that yeah well but we'll we'll see we'll see what it like there's a player that i didn't know existed jonathan bullard is that a real person Uh, i was just about to say am i okay i'm glad i'm not alone there because i swear i know just about everything about the falcons did not know this name popped up and i was like who not to go full Connor McGregor, but who the fuck is this guy? Like, I have no idea who this is. <laughs> By the way, popped up for those who haven't seen the depth chart. He's a starter. He's yeah, that's what I'm saying. I don't know chart. who this is. It's it's not great. How, like, how many guys on this defense are you confident in saying a year from now they will still be on the roster? Ooh, Dion. It's, it's, it's fewer than it's fewer Grady than Grady and Marlon, Marlon Davidson, Grady Jarrett. I, I think really, I actually think really Kaminsky. Kaminsky could have a big year. I actually, I kind of think Kaminsky's going to have a good year. 
with Dean Pease. I, I, I don't know why. I just have a gut feeling just from the way that the things I've heard about him. Just I, I think he could have a good year. You said Marlon, and and we don't have to get too deep into this, but are we are, like, I don't want to say it's like a make or break year for him, but as like a contributor, if he doesn't, like, we, we kind of need to see it this year. Well, it's year mm. two, man. I mean, this is he was injured most of last year. He had COVID for a period of time. It took him out of it. I, I'm I'm chalking last year up to just a COVID year kind of crap. I mean, like, I, I'm Marlon Davidson is a freak of nature. I, I watched that guy at Auburn. That man is an absolute freak. And if he's out there healthy, I think he could be a serious disruptor on this defensive line. Uh, I thought he was probably one of the biggest steals of the draft last year, and I, I am not ready to give up on him. He, was, he should have been a first-round talent, but we, we got him in the second. Um, I've been nowhere are, ready, ready to are, give up on him. Yeah, I, I get that. There are exactly two guys in the secondary who I would have any sort of confidence will actually be on the roster a year from now. Two total. AJ, yeah, Terrell, right, right. and... Richie Grant, probably. Richie Grant. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, actually, well, unless you count like an Avery Williams, I think Avery Williams is going gonna, is gonna to be on the team, but he's going to be like a Devin Hester. I mean, the front uh, seven is going to have a lot of change. I don't think it's actually a guarantee that Deion Jones and Foyer all the are both back. No, uh, I don't. I don't either. I, I don't at all. So, we'll, is Foyer, Foyer still on his rookie deal? Isn't he? Hmm, yes, because this be. is year three, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. I, I think he gets a contract. He'll get a contract. I don't know how much he's going to. But yeah, he's okay. Like, what are you paying him? Like, why are you... Like, I don't know. Maybe. We'll see. Um, Dean Pease has his work cut out for him with this group. I agree. Yeah. There's a reason that PFF had this group in Tier 5, the worst tier um, in football for their we'll defense. see, but that's the thing. The Tennessee Titans, he had the exact same issue. I mean, he's it, it, it's the players regretted the sum of his parts, right? Isn't that the expression? Mm-hmm. So it's like, the, like these guys are going to be... I think he's going to elevate this unit. It's going to be... I think he could hit the teens, maybe. 17, 18, 19. I, and I, I think if they do that, then that's a pretty good year for them. But The bigger concern, I think, is... Because like we just... It seems like there's more of a certainty that the defense is going to be bad. Like, at the very least, it's going to be in the bottom half of this league. My bigger yeah. concern right now is the offensive line. Like, Willie Beaver's at right tackle with Cave McGarry's stuff. Um, Matt Hennessy at center. And then Josh Andrews right now at left guard. Like, I, I don't... I don't love where we're at with this offensive line right now. No, I'm not sold on it. That's actually the thing that I'm going to be looking at most most is uh, that right tackle position and whether Willie Beavers is actually legitimately in front of Caleb McGarry or not. Well, because I would have I, I would have thought Jalen Mayfield would have been ahead of him. That yeah, I think I actually think the Beavers thing says a lot more about Jalen Mayfield than it does about Caleb McGarry. Mm-hmm. I, the McGarry thing I, I I think is also a pub thing. Um, J- Jalen's you know, also been Jalen's been going between two positions most of the training camp, right? Nah, he's, he's been playing he's a little guard. He's mostly been at tackle, um, from what I saw. And, and I, it, the the most concerning part really is that they 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 really tried to pigeonhole him into that starting right tackle spot, and it just seems like it. it I don't want to read too much into like depth chart movement and like first team, second team reps or whatever, but it just seems like that was not working out for him. Um, and, and I don't. I actually don't think he's been spending much time at guard because of McGarry being out, and they needed, they wanted to see if Mayfield could play tackle. Um, but man, <laughs> if Willie Beavers lines up as the starting right tackle week one, I might fear for for old, old man Matt Ryan's health. It's not good. I am very much concerned about uh, this. Uh, the punting battle. Are you going to be monitoring that close? We want updates, Garrett, in the in the text thread. I want. <laughs> we, I want need, to... we need hang time numbers. Yes. We need we need you to time those. <laughs> which one's the next Mac I mean, Bosher? we need to know the people need to know 
Um, is there is there one more question about the depth chart, and then we can certainly move on. It, is there a little too much hype about Javian Hawkins for almost no reason? No, he's actually really good, and his 2019 tape is phenomenal. That's 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 certainly an opinion you're allowed to have, but mm. all the signs the Falcons are giving, dude, like, are not indicative that he's even going to make the roster. I'd be Signing very upset. Deontay Foreman, I think, I think was sort of a, a well. Those are two very blinking. different players. Deontay Foreman is nothing like Jalen Hawkins. I know, but why would they go? Why would they go sign Deontay Foreman if they felt good about where Javian Hawkins was? I don't know. I think they're just throwing bodies. I, I wouldn't look too much into that. They can get out of no. the Foreman stuff with, with nothing. Like, I think they're just going to see what sticks. Yeah. I, I'm not worried right. about that. Um, Cam Reddish. Hawkins. Those are my two dudes, I guess. Um, <laughs> yeah. Really in the Atlanta weeds here. Um, the Braves. One game back of the NL East. Uh, Kyle Miller got rocked yesterday. He got sent back to AAA. I think uh, Kyle Wright starting for the Stripers tonight. Um, a weird, like we're three games over 500. That's nice. Albies had a great walk off at one point this week. Um, the bullpen, still some question marks like Will Smith. Uh, that's concerning, but this is why you trade for Richard Rodriguez. Um, I don't know. Like, I always mess this up. Waskar Yanoa is coming back. So he's replacing Moeller when that next time around in the rotation. So that's going to be really cool to get him back, uh, obviously, because he was awesome before that unfortunate situation unfolded. Uh, Garrett, what do you what do you make of the Braves right now? They're putting, their, they're, they're putting the pieces back together. I mean, mm. it's not... This isn't a World Series contender. I, I mean, I've, I, I think we all accepted that maybe about a month, month and a half ago. I accepted that in January. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I can't say that. I can't say that. No, you've been pessimistic on these guys for quite some time. But no, the, no. But I still think that this is a team that can win the division. I mean, I think they're starting to put the pieces together. Um, they're winning games. I mean, what, seven of the last ten? That, that's pretty That's pretty damn good. I mean, so I mean, the, the offense is finally coming up, and, and they're trying to. they're finally hitting the ball. Um, and they're coming up in clutch spots. I mean, I was I was there at the game on on um, Wednesday when we had that walk off, and you just sort of had this. I, I kind of had this confidence in the team that they're actually going to get it done, and I haven't had that really all season. Uh, and I really felt that on Wednesday. And I, I mean, they're really putting the pieces together. Jack Peterson has had a, a good, a pretty good stretch. I mean, uh, Soler. I mean, since Soler's come to Atlanta, I think he's batting close to three eighty five or something. And mm. I mean, this this whole team just looks good. Adam Duvall is is cranking a long ball. Freddie Freeman's Freddie Freeman. Ozzy's been playing out of his mind. Yes, this team really misses um, Ronald Acuna. And, and, but look, I mean, I still think that this team is good enough to win the division. Uh, I, they kind of caught me faltering there early July coming up to the uh, to the All-Star break. But, I mean, I think Alex Anthopoulos made the moves that he needed to make. Uh, it'll be enough to win the division. I, I don't think we're necessarily I, – I still think we're the favorite to do that. Uh, because the Mets, I mean, they're, they're coming up against, my God, this buzzsaw of uh, their next 15 games. It's just insanity. I, th- I think they got to put the Dodgers, Padres, and and, uh, and Giants, like all 15 games over the ne- this next span. So they, they could really fall out of the race, potentially, if they if they don't do well. But I think honestly, Jorge I, I Soler's think 173 WRC Plus is here to stay. I don't, I don't see that dropping off at all. <laughs> I mean, I and you didn't mention series. Travis Darno's back, which is great. Yeah, Travis Darno came out. He actually had some pretty clutch hits too. I mean, he came in and he had, uh, I think, it was two for three or something like that on Wednesday. I mean, he didn't he, he didn't start on Thursday, but um, no, I mean, he came in and he, he played good baseball. I mean, that's all you can really ask from him. And 
I mean, yeah, Mueller got absolutely treaded, and then we put in Josh Tomlin, who's just – I don't know why he's still on the freaking roster. But, look, I, I still think – I mean, this team this team's good, not great, but so is the rest of the division. So why not the British? Max, what are you going to miss most about Kevon Smith? <laughs> uh, yeah, the the singular punching bag for, for all things Braves. Um, I, True or false, know, he had a negative – war in his 101 plate appearances for the Braves this year that's probably true but negative you know. 0.4 who was worse who's the there's only one brave who has fared worse in the major leagues this season who would you guess this season mm-hmm. uh, uh pitchers count uh pitchers do count yes but it's not oh. a pitcher i'll tell you that oh that's Pablo. how bad this player has been we haven't seen him in a while i'll give you a hint Marcelo Zuna. No. He was pretty bad. No, he was on. pretty bad. He's in? That's a good guess. Uh, oh. Uh, um. What do I mean to tell you? Yeah, tell us. Christian Pache. Oh, that's what I was going to say. I knew. I knew. Yeah. Okay. I seem to recall um, the preseason the stuff where it's like, oh, penciled in. Pache, going to be great. Excited. The outfield's I fine. I he was going to have a good season, man. I, I, I thought yeah. he was going to be good. What did I say? You can take a victory lap. From that. You can take a victory lap on Pache, but uh, but Austin Riley still still. Oh, I will there. eat that. I like, told you yes. about Austin Riley, man. I told you about Austin Riley. That's uh, real. The audio is out there. It, it's, the audio there. Go find it. I'm thankfully, find I it. I can go back in and edit said audio. So I'll just go back and I'll look <laughs> at it and I'll make the adjustments. It's my podcast. I'll make the adjustments. Um, no, I. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I was oh, very Max, much wrong about Austin his, Riley. His own podcast. <laughs> I, I love Austin Riley. He's been a delight. I'm glad he's in my life. Like, Austin Riley, being wrong about Austin Riley is great. I enjoy it. Happy to be wrong about him. Three, three games against the Nats here. Three games against the Marlins. Three games against the Orioles. And then it's then it's Yankees, Giants, Dodgers. Mm. Um, and I, I'm, I'm pretty excited for that Yankees, Giants, Dodgers stretch. But, of course, um, need to take care of business here. Honestly, like need a sweep of the Nats here. Just, just keep it rolling. I, it felt like this team like needed to exceed, like get over 500 for like the mental. Hur- they talked about this in like a lot of ways, but getting over sort of like the mental hurdle of being over 500 just so they could like stay there. Um, it's one of those weird like baseball things that I've never really understood. But it feels like this is like sort of sustainable now, and it's like okay, this division is is here for the taking. So you have to take care of business in the in the games in the series that that are handed to you basically and so that's what the next three series basically are and then you get the murderers row lay ahead well we got four back right like Tukey, unfortunately did not turn the corner after those two starts looks like Tukey still still like just incredibly volatile so i don't know yet i still just i'm rooting for him love Tukey, but i i don't know yet but if you go into the postseason if they can if they can do it or even just ride this out and go with morton anderson freed and you know uh if you know his exact even close to what he was like before he got injured that's a good enough for to make all this work like to to get there i just i don't know i don't know if they can well, we're gonna play the brewers right probably well it's the nats so this we weekend which is great i'm glad we get the nats this weekend who yeah, are free falling like, and gave everybody if we rolled into the uh the playoffs i mean we'd be playing the brewers right oh yes that's winnable I think we can beat the Brewers. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I guess. Better than the NL West. That's true. Yeah. That's all I care about. That's true. So I, I mean, look, I mean, but that's the thing. 
just get to the postseason. Get to the postseason. Everyone's zero and zero. Yeah, it's corny, but no one's won a game. <laughs> so well, if anything, just get if, there and you'll figure it out. Baseball is a very volatile sport. I mean, like things go up and things go down. Some some guys get hot. Some guys get cold, and and crazy shit happens once you get there. Um, and I, like I was saying before, I mean, this Braves team is good enough to get there. Just get there. And it's and not like there's any. It's all. It, it's not like there's any recent memories of NL Central teams destroying the souls of Atlanta <laughs> sports fans in the playoffs in Major League Baseball. There's no recent history of such events. That's you the good thing. Like that's a new thing. I've, I've my have had my soul crushed so many times. I'm just numb to it now. Well, I'm thinking about <laughs> like it seems like there was some NL Central team that scored 12 runs in the top of the first inning of a deciding Atlanta yeah, Braves playoff game. It wasn't the Brewers. <laughs> it wasn't the Brewers. No. That's all I care about. God, I remember exactly. Like, I'll never forget that game. I will never forget. I, I took off work that day. It was it was, it was horrible. Just dumbfounded. Just a, what a terrible day. Um, all right, guys. Well, that's all I've got. Do we have any other Atlanta notes that we'd like to add before we wrap up here today? Nah. Hope, hope, uh, hope Atlanta United hires a new manager. Did, wait, did Atlanta United hire somebody today? Yeah, uh, uh, yes, two days ago. Two days ago. No, it, it could have been two days ago. I was talking to Mike Conti on the podcast yesterday. Uh, or was it Wednesday? It was yesterday. It was Thursday then. Okay. Yeah, I guess it was Thursday. They, it was uh, announced yesterday at 1 o'clock. Okay. Um, Gonzalo yeah, he's, Pineda. He's something like that. Yeah, he was the he's old Sanders, assistant. Yeah. yeah, old assistant head coach of the of the Sounders. Yeah, Conti and Longshore were up on the uh, – they they were had a busy day yesterday. Uh, but officially announced yesterday. So – uh, we'll Fingers be, crossed he's the next Sunday. Tata. <laughs> no, no, he's not Tata. I think people got to temper their expectations a little bit. But I, mean, I will not. Team, yeah, yeah, it's, it's I guess a, you're right. It's an, ML, it's an MLS guy, so they're like they're 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 going from thinking outside the box exclusively to like re-entering the box. <laughs> that yeah, might at be least okay. be water breaks, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Let's he just might, he might actually follow the rules of the the MLS Players Association, you know. Yeah, you know. Good things, good things. Uh, Garrett, we can follow you on Twitter at gchapatl. Max, we can follow you at max underscore Markovich. Guys, thank you so much. Uh, enjoy, enjoy the weekend, and we will reconvene next week. Sounds, Sounds good. good. Oh, jinx. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah.